From Gimlet, this is Startup. I'm Lisa Chow. Today, we're continuing a story that we started last week. So if you didn't hear last week's episode, go back and listen. And like last week, there is some swearing in this episode. When we left off, Cos Marte was in solitary confinement. He'd been in prison for three years at that point, after catching his third felony for dealing drugs. He'd been sent to the box for 30 days because of an altercation with an officer. It was hot in his cell. There were bugs crawling over Koss's bed. He had been on track to get out of prison early, in just two months, to rejoin his family and his young son. But because of the incident that sent him to solitary, Koss could be in prison for another three years. Koss's family is Catholic, and his sister had given him a Bible and told him to read it in prison. He refused for a long time, but being as depressed as he was in solitary, he did start to read it. And he told me he had a spiritual experience. Not a lot of us have been alone in a room for 30 days. And it can lead to places you'd never expect. When I, when I had that experience in solitary confinement, I just, uh, that really, like, made me realize that what I was doing was really wrong. I felt so much regret, you know. And then I just thought that, you know, what do I really need? I just basically need to keep living, eating, and and provide, you know, which uh, doesn't need to come with, like, the glamorous cars and houses. And, I mean, I love those things. I, I want them again, but I don't need them, you know. Sitting in that cell, Koss thought about what he did have. For one, he had his body. He'd actually gone through a pretty big physical transformation after a doctor told him he could die of a heart attack in prison because of dangerously high cholesterol levels. He'd started running laps in the yard, doing pull-ups. The prison had also put him on a special diet, and he'd shed 70 pounds from his 5'8 frame. He'd also helped other inmates lose weight, and it was in solitary where he first thought of what his next business could be. I pictured myself out in the park where my mom lives, training tons of people, like, you know, hundreds of people. It, it felt like a dream, and then I was like, this is what I want to do when I come home. So I, I I, began, like, writing, you know, my workouts and routines using this, like, long piece of paper, and every day of the week I put, like, sections off. I, like, made this whole spreadsheet, and how long is it going to take me to, like, do 100 jumping jacks, you know? And when I came out of that box, I... I presented the idea to a group of inmates, and I told them, I'm going to start this, like, fitness company where we're going to have, it's going to be, like, a prison-style, you know, workouts just like we do it. And some guys are, like, laughing. Another guy raised his hand, and he was like, you know, that's not going to work. Then I just started, like, being defensive. and I was like, well, you don't know me. I'm going to make this happen. Watch me. Koss was in prison for another 10 months after his time in solitary. In total, he served four years and was released on March 21st, 2013. When he first got out, he scrubbed toilets at a hotel for six months. Then, through a reentry program, Koss got a paid internship at Goodwill, the nonprofit organization. That internship turned into a full-time job doing clerical work, where he got paid $12 an hour. When Koss was running a multi-million dollar drug business at 23 years old, he'd walk into a Louis Vuitton store and drop five grand on a suit without even thinking about it. Now, he was 27, and he'd have to save up two and a half months of his pay to buy that same suit. What did it feel like going from, you know, the, like the life that you had before making as much as you, what you were yeah. making to, to $12 an hour? 
it sucked. <laughs> uh, it sucked, but it was, it was, I was so grateful. I was so grateful. Um, it sucked because I didn't have enough money at the end of the day. Like, yeah, I couldn't save money. I was just going out. You know, I was coming in and going out. I was, I was sleeping in my mom's couch. Did, um, were you ever tempted? To go back when I came out this time? Yeah. No. I mean, I was tempted. I was asked uh, many times, um, but I was determined that I was not going back. I just knew. Hmm. I just knew. Uh, Joy was locked up at that time, so I was like, less temptation. So. <laughs> Joey was Costa's partner in the drug business. They'd worked together for four years, building their clientele and their marijuana and cocaine delivery services, which they'd started in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, but had grown to cover the tri-state area. In the past, when Koss would get arrested, he'd do his time. Then, on his release day, Joey would often be waiting for him. Everything would be set up so perfectly for Koss to jump right back in. And so, he always did. This time, Joey was locked up. Joey still has two more years in prison. Koss started building the business he first pictured in solitary while he was working at Goodwill. He'd gather up his mom and her friends and train them in the park, with the hope that he'd give others the illusion that these women were all paying him. And in fact, this is how he got his first customer. My belief is like if you act as if, you'll become as if, and just keep making it happen and it'll pop off. Fake so, it till you make it. Yeah, fake it till you make it. So I was definitely faking it out there, and I took... <laughs> <laughs> you were really faking it. Yeah. So I took a, a piece of pipe and stuck it between the fences, and we started doing pull-up bar training. And then um, one morning, this random guy comes to the, the fence and, like, jumps on a pipe. And I, while I stopped him, I was like, yo, you got to pay me for that. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know. He was like, how much do you charge? And I told him, you know, I, I didn't even know what the hell I was charging. So I told him like 200 And he was like, $200 a month for like semi-private, private sessions? I was like, yeah. And I was like, if you want to sign up, let's make this happen. So I like walked him over to ATM and got his money. That was the fall of 2013. Cost slowly grew his customer base, continuing to train people in the park, when winter came and it was too cold outside, he started renting hourly studio space. By the spring, he was teaching two classes. Then, in June of 2014, Koss met the person who'd become the co-founder of his new business. They met, of all places, on Tinder. So which came first? Were you, were you, you and Koss dating first or were you and Koss co-founders first? Can so, I ask? Yeah, we, um, we swiped right first. As partners go, romantic or business, Jen Shaw and Koss Marte are pretty different. Jen is chatty. You ask her a question and she can fill 20 minutes without interruption. Koss says what he thinks and then he's done. Jen is a redhead from Nebraska. Koss is Dominican-American and grew up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Jen is from a family that's got law enforcement all over it. Her mom was a dispatcher and her stepdad, chief of police. Jen herself considered entering the police academy. Koss? Well, you know his story. But when Jen and Koss met, they hit it off immediately. In fact, he told her about his past that first evening, something he hadn't done with other women. And the relationship got serious pretty quickly. Jen had been planning to move back to the Midwest to be closer to her mom. She'd already lined up housing in Kansas City. But after meeting Koss, 
she changed her mind. That call was fun. So, Mom, I met someone. Jen had a couple of pieces of news to break to her mom in this call. I was breaking up with a guy that, like, been with several years. She loved. He'd worked for the law enforcement himself. Like, it was just, it was everything sort of that was mom perfect. I had told her, I think I'm moving back to the Midwest. And then so, like, cherry on the top. And so I met this guy. A, I don't think she's ready for me to meet a guy. It was a relatively quick turnaround. Um... And oh, by the way, he happens to be a three-time felon. But he's really cute. Um, Like, let me send you pictures. (laughs) The charm will win. What'd she say? She was just like, oh, it's not what I was expecting. And I was like, well, me neither. And But he's really great. And he's smart and he's, like, energetic and he hustles and, like, I, like, all these things that I've been wanting in someone for a really long time. And, like, he has those things. And it just so happens to have that he has all these other things. And uh, she was really open, like, definitely welcomed him without, like, judgment. Jen has worked for companies that do market research and website analytics. And when she met Koss, he was running his fitness company the way he ran his first business, largely in cash very transactional. Just make a sale. Just teach a class. He was just operating it like a drug deal. So it was just like, come to class. Pay me $20. Like, you know, oh, it's okay. You only have 10? All right, like, I'll take it. Like, literally all I cared about was just please stop putting cash in your pocket and buying dinner with it. As co-founder, Jen helped create some structure, set up systems. She started tracking people who joined their classes set up their company email accounts, and documented how money was coming in and going out. Technology had changed a lot while Koss was in prison. When he was scaling his drug business from 2005 to 2009, he had text, but other user acquisition strategies, like Facebook ads or Google AdWords, either didn't exist or weren't nearly as common. He was also growing an illegal business, so he relied heavily on referrals and word of mouth. But because his new business is legal, he can advertise much more publicly. And Jen's helped him figure out how to do that. But the biggest thing Jen did when she came on board, she helped Cost develop the company brand. Jen spent months working on a mission that more fully embraced Cost's prison past. And their discussion started with the company name. At the time that she met Goss, his company was called Koss Athletics. Koss. I mean, I love the guy. But, like, what is that? <laughs> Barry's boot camp makes sense. If you're, like, Aaron's Athletics, like, I could almost get behind that. But, like, you do know, like, your name's not helping the cause here. Like, the clear fact of, like, you picked a name so that it wasn't, like, overt. You were trying to remain cautious. You didn't want to scare people away. But then your tagline on the postcards is prison-style boot camp. Like you're, you're half in and half out. So where are you going with this? So one night, Jen started playing around with words. Convicts, offenders, inmates, prison, fitness, body. And finally, at 2.30 in the morning, she arrived at something she liked. And it sort of just very seamlessly, like, it it came. It was just like, and I, we woke up, and I was like, so I registered a domain. And I was like, con body. And I was like, whether you like it or not, like, we have it in case. And this is the logo I have. 
you know, like one of those, like he wakes up at 530 and I've like been up for three hours, just like wired and excited about like sort of something happening. And, and like, of course, he's just like, oh, that's cool. And like true costs, like subdued. They launched the company under the new name and logo in the spring of 2015. With the name change from Cost Athletics to Conbody, the media coverage of their story started to blow up. They got local press, national press, and with each story, their customer base grew. They're now profitable, earning $10,000 a month. In January of this year, Cost opened a new studio. He signed a three-year lease for the space. And it's a half a block from where he used to sell marijuana and cocaine, sitting on his milk crate. Finish strong. Let's get it. Last one. Last one. Money. Let's get it. Stand up. Koss is training a dozen people in a small room in the basement of the building. Everyone's sweating and red-faced. Koss coaches the room through a series of push-ups, planks, wall sits. After watching the workout for just five minutes, I don't envy them one bit. Give your partner a high five. Take a sip of water. Koss's workout is all about using your own body weight as resistance. There's no equipment in the room, just pull-up bars welded into one of the walls. Koss asks three people to step up to the bar, pull themselves up, and hold the position as long as they can. The battle of the gingers. Come on. Bring it. Hold your feet, Adrian. Oh, Tofa. Money. Let's go. Hold your feet over there. Let's go. The Next. people in the class are mostly white professionals in their 20s and 30s. And every one of his trainers, with the exception of his yoga instructor, is a former convict. This is Koss's mission, providing a decent job to a population without much access to decent jobs. It's also part of his brand, a prison-style workout led by a real former prisoner. Koss tells me when he brings on new trainers, he coaches them on how to interact with their customers. Smile, look them in the eye, shake their hands, ask how they're doing, crack a joke. And Koss says something simple like remembering their name goes a long way in building trust. And so far, that coaching appears to be working. All the clients I spoke to loved Koss and his trainers. But that hasn't always been the case. I mean, I, I had one situation where I, um, before the class, I actually told my story. And the one, one lady that was sitting, standing in front of me in the, in the rows, she was like, oh, my God, you've been in jail? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, my God, don't touch me. And she walked away. And in front of the class, like, and I felt super embarrassed, like, Oh, and there's just still people out there. It's like, you're not my target market. Like, you're not my customer. Like, I got to accept it. Koss has six trainers. The first one he hired was a guy named Sultan Malik. Sultan and Koss met when Koss was working at Goodwill. Sultan was there in the offices looking for help. He'd been released from prison a couple of months earlier. He was living on public assistance. He'd applied for jobs with no luck, and he found himself telling Koss his story. I was very concise. I just was released from prison after 14 years. I'm training people, and that's my agenda. That's my goal. I want to open up my own company, etc. And uh, he gave me that car smile. I remember it very vividly. So he says, bro, I'm doing the same thing. It's just that I have the company established. Uh, it's at its infancy, but, you know, let's connect. I mean, straight off the back, I heard his, like, honesty and humility. I really felt like he was 
really trying to get out of the system and do the right thing. And, you know, I was hungry. Koss told me he thinks every hire is a risk, whether you're tapping into a pool of people who haven't been to jail or have. And Koss's unfair advantage is finding the talented people in a population that a lot of employers have written off. Koss knows prison, and he knows if someone used their time in prison well and made the most of a bad situation. Soltan, for example, finished his high school degree in prison and did two semesters of college. Koss said that was a huge point in his favor. He was very studious, very smart. Um, Like, you don't have anything else to do but, like, read books and, like, study and concentrate on yourself. Some people just lay in their bunks and don't progress or do anything. And when people tell me I got my college degree and in jail, it's like this person was trying to, like, hustle and do something and is trying to progress out of the system that we're, you know, facing. Sultan told me when he was first released from prison, he applied for trainer jobs, manual labor jobs, sorting mail in the post office. He'd get interviews, but every time he'd bring up his prison experience, the conversation was basically over. But Sultan says he refuses to dwell on the challenges. I don't have low points. I want to acknowledge it. I'm free. Not entirely because I'm on parole. And that's another monster, but I'm, look, I can look at the clouds in the sky, like, you know, outside of a wall that hides how, how, how wide and how expansive the world is, the sky is. Like, you know, I remember I used to just look up in the sky looking for planes, you know, wondering where they're going, saying, I'm going to be on that one, going to wherever. Venice, Greece, you know, Africa, whatever. No low points. I won't acknowledge it. It's too much to accomplish. And the average person, male, lives, what, 75 years? I'm 36 years old. So 14 years I've been in prison, so... I can't, like, acknowledge that there's a low. I say no to it. When Sultan was locked up, he spent about seven of his 14 years in solitary confinement. When I asked why, he says he got into a lot of fights with correctional officers. I'm not going to be intimidated by anyone. You know, I'm blessed because there's a lot of guys in there who, you know, broken up emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. I've seen them break guys down. What kept you sane? Oh, my mom. My father, my brother, sister, working out and belief. You'd never know, just from meeting Sultan and talking to him, the types of crimes he's committed. His rap sheet is long. He's been charged with attempted murder, assault, kidnapping. He told me he robbed drug dealers. Koss does have a line when it comes to who he'll hire. No sex offenders, for example. But when I asked him about murderers, he said murder wasn't an automatic disqualification. He's met people who have killed in self-defense. But Koss knows that hiring people who've been in prison takes a certain level of trust and faith in people's goodwill, despite the evidence, especially in Sultan's case. I took a risk with him, knowing that he was a robber and done all this stuff in his life. And uh, I remember one day we were training outside. I couldn't make it. And I told him, you know, it was like his third session. I was like, can you train for me outside? 
Uh, there was a couple of people I had to meet there. And um, I was like, here's my keys to my apartment. You could pick up the stuff, like the sign-in sheet and things like that. And I gave him the keys to my apartment, like, and went back and he like actually organized my stuff. And I was like, you know, like this guy is, is the truth. I mean, do you think that like with every hire, like if you are specifically going after people who have been in prison, like every hire, you're going to have to make this judgment call. Yeah. I mean, I guess we have to do that generally, but like with someone with a record, yeah, there is like a greater kind of trust factor or issue there. Yeah, and that's the, that's the problem that I'm going to be facing the, the whole time in growing this business and trying to blow it up. But I, I feel like you take a risk no matter what. Like if you, even if you hire somebody working at Starbucks and they've, you know, you don't know them from a hole in wall, they never committed a crime, they could still steal money from the cash register. Um, and it happens all the time, you know. But I don't feel like you should be counted out for doing something and being judged for it for the rest of your life. I, I feel like people deserve a second chance, you know. Welcome back to Startup. I'm Lisa Chow. We've been, we've, we've gained national, we've gained, we've gained press and part, we've gained national press and, and partnerships. We're back where we started the story last week. To grow the business, open more studios, hire more trainers, create the next Soul Cycle or CrossFit, become a fitness movement with a social mission. Koss Marte, founder and CEO of Conbody, needs money, which is why he's practicing his pitch in a hotel room in Las Vegas. We've gained, we've gained world-class press and partnerships. He beat out 300 companies to be here and is about to pitch, Shark Tank style, to three judges in front of several hundred people. A lot of things are weighing on Koss. First, the companies he's competing against are all impressive, trying to solve some of the biggest global problems like improving access to clean water and bringing portable lights to disaster zones that have no electricity. Second, the founders are all white, with the exception of him and one woman, who, by the way, graduated from Yale, then Columbia, and is now getting her MBA at UChicago. And Koss keeps thinking about the guys at Rikers Island, the guys he visits every week to train and recruit. What's at stake here yeah. for you? I think this is bigger than just, like, the money. It's actually, it shows, like, proof and, you know, that somebody could come home from prison and make it and be successful. You know, flown out here, Vegas, like, nice room. Just being in this position and being in front of faces, like, you know, the people that we're going to be facing, it's going to be a huge impact. And I could talk to other inmates about it when I go to Rikers Island next week and let them know, like, what's going on and, like, I think that'll bring them more hope. They, they, they lose hope while they're in there, and they lose trust because they've been in and out of the system, and people have been telling them lies and promises, and nobody's really kept them. And I, I really want to keep that promise in like, creating this, this movement. The statistics on the formerly incarcerated population aren't pretty. According to one study, 
Imprisonment can mean losing up to 30% of your earnings when you get out. About three-quarters of people who've been in prison are arrested again within five years. Koss believes a lot of that is because people can't find jobs or aren't making enough money. He pays his trainers $50 an hour. Right now, none of them work with him full-time. But the hope is, with growth, they eventually will. Okay, so I have a couple things. Uh, It's a couple of hours before showtime. Koss practices the pitch several more times in his hotel room with his co-founder and girlfriend, Jen. The pitch is coming in just under two minutes, the cutoff time. But that's only if he doesn't stumble or forget any of his lines. Jen's role in situations like these is as coach. And with her prompting, Koss writes the pitch down on a small pad of paper to cement the lines in his mind. It's getting closer to pitch time. I'm nervous. I'm nervous right now. I'll be okay, I think. I'll be okay. It's time to leave the hotel room and get to the presentation space. I got it, I got it. I've like said it a hundred times a day. Koss and Jen walk down a long hallway. I think like I'm walking down death row right now. <laughs> I don't think death row is this pretty. We get to the auditorium, which is starting to fill up. I go backstage with Koss as one of the judges, the founder of Tom's, the shoe company, Blake Mykoski, does a Q&A on stage with an editor from Inc. magazine. Koss second-guesses his clothes. He's wearing a dark gray suit, while most of the other founders are dressed more casually, in T-shirts and jeans. Maybe I should have dressed up a little bit startup-y, right? Why do you say that? Because, like, Blake is dressed with a hipster hat, and, like, I was like, some Indian beads. I don't know what the fuck he's wearing. And I feel my competitors are looking like startup I'm looking a bit corporate But maybe I have to. <laughs> hey, Koss, when you used to, like, do really nerve-wracking things as a, as a dealer, like, what would you do to relax? Smoke mar- <laughs> a lot of marijuana. Uh... Yeah, I was just smoking so much weed, but there's no weed here, so and I can't smoke anymore. It's not part of my brand. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I sometimes I just do push-ups and stuff. Obviously, I I look awkward if I do push-ups here, but I'll be okay. I'll be okay. You used to smoke. Used to smoke weed to relax. Yeah, I, was, I would smoke like two like a half a half a pound every two weeks that's like 50 blunts a day between me and joey and we used to smoke like two two packs of cigarettes each so it's like non-stop smoking like 24 hours smoking do you think that was stress relief like what do you think that was about uh it was just addicting after a while i was just like i need to smoke and then it'd be like once you smoke it's like calming and then it's just it was just something to do, too. It was just like, I rolled another blunt. It was like a cigarette. You know, it's just like, rolled another blunt. Rolled another blunt. Yeah. That was, that was my life then. Now it's not. So. Do you ever wish you could roll another blunt? No. No. I don't. I don't know. I don't really care about it anymore. I just, I have so much, 
so much other things on my mind, like growing this company and just making things happen that I don't have time to like relax and smoke a blunt. I mean, there's times where I'm like walking down the street and I smoke, smell like some purple haze or sour diesel. I'm like, damn, that's just good. You know, you know, but it's only like a, a feeling that you get for five seconds and after that you just walk away and forget about it. But, yeah. Koss looks down at his phone. What is it? He just got a text. Um, somebody sent me like a, a passage, like Psalm 54, verse 7 to 11. I don't even know who this is, which is weird in Spanish. Can you read it? What it can you translate it for me? Um, Pienso que quien me diera a las palomas para volar y posarme. Me guía lejos habitadas en el desierto. Like God, just like God, He would like guide me. Um, he would let me fly like a bird. He would. Um, He would like guide me through the desert. He would save me from the tornadoes and the hurricanes. He would save me from the torments of the like lion's lung. He, he sees the violence. And day and night, he'll make his round, just making sure that we'll be safe. How are you feeling? I'm okay. I'm okay. I feel better. I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, it's funny, I just like, in seeing you read that, it kind of changed your demeanor. Do you feel any change? I do. I guess that was my marijuana there. Yeah. Yeah. That calmed me down. Everything's going to be okay, no matter what. About 30 minutes later, the MC introduces him. Cool. So uh, earlier today, uh, each finalist pulled a random number and to determine uh, who would be first and in the order in which they would pitch. So with that, let's welcome our first finalist. That would be Conbody and its founder, Koss Marte. Koss walks on stage, introduces himself, and makes his pitch. See, I once weighed over 230 pounds and suffered from all types of health issues. And in order not to die in prison from my, from my obesity issues, I use a simple fitness formula. Work with what you got. And in my 9x6 prison cell, I helped over 20 inmates lose over 1,000 pounds after I lost 70 pounds in six months. And then, after his time is up, the judges ask him questions. What's the demographics of, your, of the people who sign up for the gym? It's actually 90% millennial white females. <laughs> Which is funny. Do you know why? Uh, I, I think... I think millennials, uh, well, females in, in general like to take classes. Uh, we use no equipment, it's all body weight. Um, so I think they're scared of like going into the gym, lifting a thousand pounds, they wanna be instructed. Uh, millennials like to support a, a social mission driven company. 
And I feel a lot of our clients come in there just because we're like the only gym with a social mission. And how did they find out about you? I mean, what's your, your, your marketing strategy? So for, when I first came, I used the same marketing strategy when I used when I was selling drugs back in the day. Uh, when I was selling, I made 10,000 business cards. I gave it out to anybody that looked rich and grew out a multi-million dollar drug business. I did the exact same thing. When I came home, I made uh, about a couple thousand business cards. I went up to every girl with yoga pants, uh, started pitching them on the street. I'm waiting for Koss backstage. He talks to me as soon as he gets off. I missed the whole section of the pitch, but I made it up in the question and answer. They started the clock, like, before I said my name, so I was like, I need to cut something out. So. I need some water. I'm going to get some water. Oh, man. That was, that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot of energy. A lot of energy like, in seven minutes on stage. But I think, I think I did well. I think I did well. But as we listen to the other pitches, Koss starts to get worried. Luminade, a company that won investment on the real Shark Tank show, seems to be impressing the judges. Well, they crushed it. We sit through all five pitches, and then the judges deliberate for about 15 minutes. The six finalists are brought back on stage. And now for the moment that you have all been waiting for. Are you all set? You bet. All set? So, um, so we've decided to change it up a little bit. Um, so instead of giving one company 100000 we're going to give two companies 50000 The two winners for today are Conbody uh, and Luminate. Koss smiles at Jen, who's sitting in the front row in the audience. There are photos, handshakes. People come up to congratulate Koss, including a woman named Nadine Thompson. She's a former dean of an elite prep school. She's run wellness and beauty companies. And she's here at this startup conference because she wants to grow her new business. It was personally touching for me. I was just going to say my son is just about facing some time in the next few weeks. And so it really kind of resonated for me. And I looked up and guys look alike. It's really bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I'll show you his picture, actually. Um, she pulls out a photo of her son to show Koss and Jen. See? That's Isaiah. Oh, wow. He, okay. he looks like you. He looks so young, too. Yeah, he is. How old is he? He's just turned 20 and made a bad decision one evening. And so we're facing that in the next few weeks. Nadine says her son was hanging out with three friends, playing video games. The friends called a kid to buy some marijuana and then stole the marijuana from the kid. They threatened him with an unloaded pistol. All four guys are facing charges. The first trial was a mistrial, and the prosecutor is, he's got a felony, they're willing to drop it for a misdemeanor, but he'd have to do 30 days. And so we're trying to make a decision as a family whether we fight it or get rid of the felony and do the 30 days and move on with it. I would, I would recommend the 30 days. Yeah. Um, That's what everybody has told us. The problem is, is like you take that chance. And you think about like you, you don't want to spend a night in jail, but right. you know, 30 days, yep. it'll happen. Compared to even six your months or a year. Your whole you life is ruined when you get a felony. Yeah, yeah. Nadine is black, and she lives in New Hampshire, where 94% of the population is white. 
I think, you know, I think it's scary for him. Um, I think it's even scary to go to trial at this in this time. That's the, that's the scariest part. You, know? yeah. you yeah. just never know what, what somebody else is thinking, and it yeah. could be. Yeah. And it's it, it, a race has a lot to play with it. Exactly. You know, with somebody. I'm sure you're a young black male. Yeah. What does that mean? Another guy comes up to Koss. His name is Elton Chislam. He tells Koss his stepbrother was arrested when he was 16 for armed robbery, and is now serving a 25-year sentence. Alton says a lot of the people he knew growing up in L.A. are in prison. That's what our neighborhood was, was mostly just like kids and, and gangs. So are these like childhood friends? Yeah, they're childhood friends. And when they come out, they want to find a job, they want to live a regular life, but they can't. I mean, so what do you do when you can't find a job? You go back to, a, you know, what got you into prison, a life of crime. Even here at a startup conference, Koss sees the problem he's trying to fix. It's a big problem. There are two million people in prison in the U.S. Every year, more than half a million people are released. If he's lucky, Koss will create five more jobs this year, 20 jobs next year. He knows it's a drop in the bucket. He also knows how hard it is not to return to a life of crime. It's hard because employers don't trust you, because you don't always have the education or the skills, and because sometimes, it's hard to go from a lucrative career in crime to a minimum wage job. Koss was in and out of jail nine times before he figured things out. And over those years, his family felt frustrated, hopeless. He's rebuilding his life now, repairing those relationships. Joey, Koss's old business partner, is still in prison. I talked to him on the phone about Koss. What do you think? I'm just curious, like, what, what do you think about what he's got going on? I think it's magnificent. See, he possesses certain things that I can't do. Like, I'm, I think too, I don't know. I, I have a different way of thinking. Like, a lot of stuff I think is beneath me. Sometimes I don't, like, I'm just very weird. What do you mean? I don't know, man. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to deal with certain people and not have, like, if I don't have the certain kind of clothes or if I'm not driving in a certain kind of car or if I don't have certain kind of jewelry, I, I can't do certain kind of things. I, I worry too much about superficial stuff, like, what do they think about me? Or he's just the type to go out there and, and do certain things that I wouldn't do, like, course has did, done college, he took a nine-to-five job. I, I don't know if I could ever do a nine-to-five job. I mean, I would have to learn quick because, but, you know, course has done things that, that amazes me. He's just not the same person that I knew. And this is, I mean this in a good way, like he's completely changed his life around. He's, he's been able to conform to be a law-abiding citizen. Me, on the other hand, not that I'm, that I want to continue indulging in illicit affairs, it's just, I, I don't know. See, I don't know what kind of. I've been trying to look deep into what my skills are, and I don't. I don't really have a a trade or anything that I'm not good with my hands. I feel like I'm a good manipulator or a good talker. I just mm-hmm. gotta know what. A good salesman. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do, or at least in a negative aspect, 
all I know really what to do is sell coke. I don't really know much other than that. I've heard this exact sentiment lots of times from other people in Joey's position. And by that, I mean entrepreneurs. So many of them have told me they can't imagine any other way of making a living. That's why they start company after company. The difference, of course, for Joey, is that being an entrepreneur again in his chosen field, selling drugs, could get him locked up for even longer next time. And if he starts over, he'll have to start at the bottom, just like Cost did. But he'll have one thing going for him. This time, Cost will be the one waiting on the outside, building a business. A business that won't get you sent to prison, but also won't make you millions in tax-free cash. If Joey can be okay with that deal, then Koss says he's got a job for him when he gets out. Coming up, we'll have scenes from the next episode of Startup after these words from our sponsors. Next week on Startup, when Diana and her husband started a small business, they never imagined it would attract the attention of some deep-pocketed Dallas businessmen. At first, the attention was exciting, but they quickly felt like they were losing control of their dream. You know, it's like you write a half of the story and or somebody else say, let me just finish for you. I just, no, wait, that's mine. I want to finish it. I started that. That was my idea. Power, money, and a cash cow of an idea. That's coming up next week on Startup. Today's episode was produced by Simone Polanin. It was edited by Alex Bloomberg, Peter Clowney, Caitlin Roberts, Molly Messick, Bruce Wallace, Luke Malone, and Eric Eddings. Mark Phillips wrote and performed our theme song. Build Buildings wrote and performed our special ad music. Additional music from the band HotMoms.gov and Golden Graham. David Herman mixed the episode with help from Molly Messick and Matthew Bowl. To subscribe to the podcast, go to iTunes or check out the Gimlet Media website, gimletmedia.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Startup. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. One more thing. We want to learn more about you, our listeners, and we would love it if you took our brief survey. Go to startuplistener.club. That's C-L-U-B. For those who complete the survey, your name will be entered to win a free t-shirt.